Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. People love him, hate him. I don't know anyone that hates Ryan Fitzpatrick, but like the NFL is more fun when this dude is a starting quarterback for one of the league's 32 teams. I mean, throughout his whole career, you'll find just some fantastic press conference material, you know, the Deshaun Jackson outfit. Uh, outfit. He was on the Jets and just freaking uh, giddy after a game because I think uh, Nick Mangold or something like true joy comes out of this man child at times and it is just fantastic uh, to see and I mean that's just saying like what he is as you know a person you know the the Harvard grad that everyone knows about but I mean he had seriously probably the single best throw of 2020 as well against the Raiders getting his helmet freaking ripped off and he still found a way to sling it really in the it was like a cover two hole shot and uh, he got it to Mac Hollins if I'm not mistaken so again it's magic i know he's had kind of a bumpy up and down nfl career but my goodness i just as someone that watches every game on every sunday uh you know he's someone that i enjoy to see out there because we're better and you know sometimes for worse too he is still a very entertaining guy and it does seem like that he is going to have one of those starting 32 jobs this year didn't know at first ron rivera came out I believe in his first interview saying that, you know, they're not really going to be starting anyone and he wants everyone to compete. But here Pat, in the past, uh, you know, months, Ron Rivera has come back and said, Fitzpatrick is going to come as number one, but there will be a competition. That's fine. Ron Rivera is the type of coach who's preach, you know, meritocracy at every position. We come out every single day working for our job, including myself type of guy. Let's not let oh, it's great. Ron Rivera named Fitzpatrick the number one, like he's coming in as that. Let's look at the rest of the Washington offseason to see if there's any reason to believe he won't be that guy. Taylor Heineke's back. People. I love the AAF and XFL more than just about anyone. I hope Taylor Heineke finds a way to succeed. I just don't think that we can use that one. Impressive, very impressive playoff game against the Buccaneers as a reason to just put him ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because Fitzpatrick last year was 12th in yards per attempt. He was ninth in adjusted completion rate. Like he has been one of the top quarterbacks or at least above average over the past three seasons. And that's just not the case for Taylor Haneke. Again, very impressive performance against the Buccaneers. I get it, but people, if we go last three seasons, including playoffs, 71 QBs with at least 100 dropbacks. I mean, Simeon is, or oh my God, Simeon. I'm so sorry, bro. Heineke, I'm not trying to compare you to Trevor Simeon. Heineke is 54th in yards per attempt, 55th in adjusted completion rate, and 60th in QB rating. So maybe his finest hour ever against the Buccaneers was a sign of things to come. I tend to think it'll be a career highlight uh, when we look back on it. We have our token, knows the system backup, Kyle Allen. Uh, man, there's a scenario, people, and I will cry if this happens. I will actually shed tears if this happens. If Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt, Taylor Haneke gets hurt, and if Kyle Allen comes in and ruins Curtis Samuel for the second time in three years, I am going to cry, and then I'm going to get really mad, and then I'm going to say some mean things on Twitter that I'm probably not supposed to say. So, Kyle Allen, go be a great backup. Please don't ruin Curtis Samuel's fantasy production again. And then finally, we got 2020 undrafted free agent, potential Taysom Hill doppelganger, Steven Montez. Uh, my guy, PFF Austin Gale, made a great point on Twitter today. Like Taysom Hill is just paving the way for all these bad, somewhat athletic white quarterbacks to, you know, get that article head uh, with them. So we'll see if Montez finds a way to steal a few snaps. I tend to think that's incredibly unlikely. So either way, people, Heineke, Kyle Allen, Montez, no drafted quarterbacks, no real free agent signees. I mean, it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick show. He is being fully set in to come in as a number one on a team that, 
I mean, I think they can compete. I think they can compete in the playoffs and really through it if they get the best version of Fitzpatrick that has usually been on display over the past three years. Again, 12th in yards for attempt last year, ninth in adjusted completion rate. And we've really seen that ever since he transitioned to the Buccaneers. He had that great year at the Jets in 2015. 10 and six record got another starting job sucked the next year, even though, I mean, the receivers he was throwing to was a pretty big joke. I think we've seen enough evidence from the jets over the past five years to maybe chalk that one up to not exactly being Fitz's fault. But I think a lot of people wrote him off after that point, but we saw him come in when Jameis was suspended in 2018 and do really big things early on the season in 2020, obviously, um, excuse me, 2019, the Dolphins were trying to see what they had with Josh Rosen, just became too abundantly clear that Fitzpatrick was the better player. And he led an awful team to a lot of fun games and a decent amount of offensive success down the road. And last year, we had Tua coming in, number five overall pick, got handed a job when they were on a three-game win streak going to the bye week. Like, you know, Brian Flores tried to come out and say, like, they're just going to put the best player under center no matter what. That wasn't the case. Ryan Fitzpatrick was better than Tua in every single way. So if you want to go and say and look at the past three years and just say Fitzpatrick, you know, turns 39 in November, he's been involved in these QB competitions and this and that, fine. But each each way, with Jameis, with Rosen, with Tua, the organization made a smart, calculated move to try to find out more about a young quarterback, not Fitzpatrick, who who knows when he was even going to retire throughout all this. Same thing, you know, Josh McCown was kind of going through towards the end of his career. Even if McCown or Fitzpatrick is better, if you have this former first-round quarterback or at least someone you really need to find out about, you know, sooner rather than later uh, because of the way your team building uh, just kind of timeline is looking, Fitzpatrick wasn't the best guy for that situation. We finally don't have that. Again, Taylor Heineke has played one. He's played one great game for this organization, and I just don't believe it's enough, and they haven't had enough of uh, you know, just overall financial interest in him to, I think, uh, have that be a sort of possibility. Kyle Allen, again, I know Ron Rivera loves him. will probably give this dude a job for some reason for the next 10 years, but he's not going to be pushing fits. And then again, Steven Montez, not that guy either. So don't take it from me then. Let's just look at the numbers and what Fitz did last year. Because again, Tua, who is someone that's gotten the Dolphins to rally around him, he was not in a great situation. I had my fantasy file come out on Tua, article on pff.com. I mean, this was a Dolphins offense that was below average in every single you know category. Pass blocking, they were graded as a 21st ranked unit, receiving 17th, rushing 20th, run blocking 30th. Yet here we had Fitz posting a better PFF passing grade, almost twice the big time throw rate, 7.8 yards per 10 compared to 6.3 for Tua, 78.2% adjusted completion rate compared to 74.2% for Tua. The only thing Tua was better than Fitz was it was in a turnover-worthy play rate, 3.1% versus 4.7%. But, man, people, you don't want the turnovers. I get it. I mean, but it also can be a sign of a quarterback that's willing to actually take chances downfield and one that's not. And that's some of the reports we're already getting out of Washington. They want to push the ball downfield more. They were not happy with Alex Smith handcuffing this offense because it's the only thing he could do at this point. It's the only thing they wanted him to do uh, with his you know leg in the condition that it was. So, you know, Washington has just been such a dumpster fire of an organization really for the past 20 years. And, you know, just with what Snyder's doing, I'm not sure it's going to get much better unfortunately but at least this year man you got arguably the single best i would say the single best pass rush in the league you added a high-end cornerback in william jackson i think is only going to make things better in that secondary and just in terms of what we could have in this offense if Fitzpatrick can play as well as he has over the past three years my goodness people terry mclaurin 
number one wide receiver. He's been PFF's 17th highest graded wide receiver over the past two seasons, 24th in yards per route run. And that's all with, you know, a list of QB atrocities that would make, you know, Allen Robinson blush. So uh, Curtis Samuel coming in, you know, I've talked about him a lot in this podcast before, but still only 24 years old, has familiarity with offensive coordinator Scott Turner. And, you know, they're talking about using him on the outside. And again, I know I've, you know, been shitting on Kyle Allen a lot this podcast, but there's a good reason for it. I have, you know, a good 90 second long clip of all the times Curtis Samuel is getting open deep in 2019, only to be missed, underthrown, whatever, by Allen. So Curtis was not miscast as a field stretching wide receiver. Kyle Allen was miscast as a professional quarterback. And the fact they want to use Curtis on the outside again this year, I think is great news for him and this offense. Otherwise, we got Adam Humphreys in the slot, play but fits. You know, has had some, I think, I think it was a concussion or COVID last year. He's had some injury issues with the Titans, but having him in the slot, perfectly fine. Electric third round rookie, Diami Brown. I mean, he was one, I think he was number two in the entire class in my playmaker rate metric, which rewards big plays and broken tackles. And then like, those are all new guys. And that's okay. Other than Terry McLaurin, like adding Curtis Humphreys and Diami Brown to this unit is great because last year we just really didn't have anything. So now that we have Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Kelvin Harmon, Antonio Gandy Golden, like these guys as wide receiver fours through like six or seven, that's fine. We couldn't handle it when Cam Sims was our wide receiver two last year, but now he's like wide receiver four at best. So this is looking fine to me, maybe even wide receiver five at best, honestly. So Cam Sims, he actually impressed me last year with some of his yards after the catchability. Steven Sims, I wouldn't be super shocked if he outplays Adam Humphreys if he can stay healthy from the slot. Kelvin Harmon, Antonio Gandy Golden, you know, probably just guys, but either way, at least we have some depth here. At tight end, Logan Thomas, you know, just had 670 yards and six touchdowns last year. Antonio Gibson, you know, we're hoping he becomes DCMC. And then J.D. McKissick, who even as much as we want to get pissed off about him limiting Antonio Gibson, this is a running back capable enough in the past game to catch plenty, you know, what, 80, he had 100 10 freaking targets last year uh, as a running back and as a, uh, you know, slot and out wide uh, option as well. So unlike last year, there are places to go with the ball. And I think Fitzpatrick is going to be capable. Again, mentioned that Raiders game, big game against the 49ers too, taking shots. Like he just has an ability to throw one of the most catchable balls in the league. And I think in this situation, you know, we've always talked about how Fitz has been better with these guys like Devontae Parker, Brandon Marshall, uh, Mike Jusicki, just these big body contested catch receivers. Like he's made do with those guys, but I think he's, I think any quarterback would be better with guys that can separate easier. You know, your Curtis Samuels, your Terry McLaurin's, even your Adam Humphreys and Diamond Browns of the world. Like I'm not saying these guys can't go up and get the ball as well, but if Fitz is accurate enough to, you know, put the ball where Devontae Parker can catch it, even though there's a defender, you know, six inches away from him, he's going to be able to hit Curtis Samuel when there's no one within three yards of his, you know, general radius. So it's, it's exciting times people. They give me some 2019, 49ers vibes where if the offense can you know exist in a great system and just really ride the coattails of one of the league's best defenses we could be looking at a legit Super Bowl contender so I know there's not been a repeat uh, champion in the NFC East for the better part of the past two decades I think you have to go back to those early uh, 2000s Eagles teams to find the last instance 
I'm shocked the Cowboys are favored to win uh, at the NFC East. I would put my money on the Washington football team. And a big reason for that is my confidence that Ryan Fitzpatrick and this sneaky loaded offense can do enough to let their defense be as great as they look on paper. So PFF lowly stat for Ryan Fitzpatrick is just how good he's been as a fantasy quarterback over the past three years and weeks one through three, while Jameis was suspended in 2018. Fitz was the fantasy QB one in 2019 and weeks seven through 17 upon taking the job over full-time from Josh Rosen. Fitz was the QB two behind only Lamar Jackson in 2020 in weeks one through six before, you know, quote unquote, losing his job to Tua. He was the QB eight. So again, people last three years, three pretty different offenses, you know, two different teams, the one constant Ryan Fitzpatrick putting up top eight fantasy numbers. So with all that said, Fitz comes in 2021 as my QB 16 at the moment. He is in my, I could talk you into this man being QB one tier with Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. Side note, I, I just love the aesthetic of seeing Fitzpatrick next to those rookie quarterbacks in my tier article. It just made me crack up. Like once Fitzpatrick retires, like give him some cabin out in the woods and just send him like the crop of rookie quarterbacks every year to go learn from him and just have cameras everywhere. Make it like a reality TV show. Make it, you know, uh, Gruden's like the evolution of Gruden's quarterback camp, whatever. I want Ryan Fitzpatrick on my television uh, in the, you know, just the forever future. So with all that said, you know, if we had to look at him against these rookies, I really do find myself leaning more towards uh, Fitzpatrick being the more favorable fancy option this year. I mean, Trey Lance is going to be so fantasy friendly that once he gets on the field, we'll rank him higher, but there's more and more concern with how healthy Jimmy G is that it could be a little bit longer of a wait for Lance than usual. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the Jaguars keep making one more perplexing decision by the day. Is he actually going to be taken off the field for Tim freaking Tebow near the goal line? That's the latest rumor. And then Justin Fields, you know, apparently can't, isn't even allowed to compete with Andy Dalton, which is still one of the most incredulous storylines of the entire offseason. So Fitz, underdog ADP as the QB 20. Like, even if you disagree with me and want to put all those guys ahead of them, I, I would not call you an idiot. That's why they're in the same tier. Uh, for me, you know, Fitzpatrick is, I think, the top late round quarterback with an ADP outside of you know the top 20 he is the qb 20 and i would say overall but people i was going through underdog and ryan Tannehill coming in as the qb 16 oh man i mean he's got the running he's got, got ajb out there god forbid they end up trading for julio jones ryan Tannehill was my favorite late round quarterback just based on that i think ridiculous valuation but fitzpatrick right there behind him i would take fitz over Jameis winston kirk cousins to uh, sam darnold carson wentz i think he's a great qb2 or even for the most blessed uh, teams out there qb3 option I encourage you all to check out PFS Podcast Network, which covers everything NFL, college, and fantasy football. Recap the NFL draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gale's two-for-one draft podcast, or get all the 2021 betting content you need with the PFF forecast. And if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy, deposit $10 using promo code PFF, get a free PFF Edge annual subscription, promo code PFF, draft now, Underdog Fantasy. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everybody. New Fantasy Files every day. Wednesday show as well with my guy, Andrew Erickson. Friday show with 10 questions, hopefully from more and more NFL players. Trying to hook that up. Obviously, I had DeAndre Swift, T. Higgins. Trying to make all this as evergreen as possible throughout this offseason so we can then win some money in 2021 and beyond. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody. 